Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Zechariah chapter number three. Zechariah chapter number three. That's one of the minor prophets in the back of the Old Testament as it is arranged in our Bible. You can go to Matthew and go in reverse and you'll get there in a couple of books in uh, Zechariah chapter number three. And uh, we'll give you a minute to find your place there. Brother Petrie mentioned about the bus ministry uh, starting back up. Just to make it clear, that's started up with very sweet, wide-ranging modifications. It's uh, not just business as usual. Uh, well, for example, they're having just uh, one service in the gym instead of classes and worrying about the spacing there. And they've got them spread out and they've got other, uh, many other protocols and things that they're working with. So if you have any questions about that, uh, you can ask me or, or uh, Brother Dan Wright. I'd be happy to let you know more about that. It's uh, like everything else. It's been one of those things where you're having to figure out what you're supposed to do and, and, and make it work. And so appreciate Brother Dan Wright and others for uh, doing that, even on the bus, having to uh, separate seats and all that. It's a, it's a lot of extra work. So we appreciate, appreciate them working at that so we can be back in touch with those young people and their families. But I appreciate the singing tonight, very, really evangelistic kind of singing tonight on Wednesday night. Fits well with, really fits well with the message in Zechariah chapter number three and verse number one. We'll read the first uh, seven verses. The Bible said, and he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, the Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I'll clothe thee with change of raiment. And I said, let, me, let, set, let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. And the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If thou wilt walk in my ways, if thou wilt keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house and shalt also keep my courts. And I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. Let's. Uh, pray together. Dear Lord, help us this evening as we've gathered together. I pray that you would guide us and uh, lead us in, through your word. Lord, help us to have our hearts open. If uh, there's someone here tonight or listening online that's never uh, trusted Christ as Savior, perhaps even this very night they'll hear the gospel and uh, by faith call on you for salvation. For those of us who are believers, though, Lord, help us to get the truth, the great lesson from this passage. In Jesus' name, amen. Here we see a man by the name of Zechariah. He is uh, used to God. One of these 12 uh, books called the Minor Prophets. And as a teacher, actually, now the teacher that I heard this from, Brother Scott Pauley, I had him in Bible college, but he's teaching the Minor Prophets. And he said they're minor in size, but not in message. And sometimes... We dismiss them a little bit and kind of forget about them. But really, there's great uh, truth that is taught there. Zechariah is 
one of the post-exilic prophets, he, po- he prophesied after, at the end of and after the, after the Babylonian, the 70 years of, of captivity, um, he, um, you, he was right with the book that precedes him, Haggai. Uh, he was uh, prophesied along the same time as Haggai. Haggai was much more narrow in his prophecy. He dealt with the rebuilding of the temple when the people returned back into the land. And uh, Zechariah, though, was a broader, he had a broader view, and he was a younger man. Look at Zechariah chapter 2 and verse 4. It said, and said unto him, run, speak to this young man. And this is Zechariah speaking how a message was delivered to himself. Speaking unto this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls for the multitudes of men and cattle therein. So we learned some things about Zechariah. In his book, in the book here that God used him to write, there are uh, 10 different visions that God speaks to him through. And uh, these things uh, cover a broad range of things, but uh, they center around the Lord Jesus Christ and they center around the nation of Israel and how God would uh, restore and bring back, and, and many of them, uh, the nation of Israel. Chapter 3, what we just read, contains the fifth of those visions. And it is uh, quite a uh, thing that he is allowed to view here. It's a, uh, it's, it's a, uh, he said, he showed me Joshua, the high priest. Now this uh, Joshua here was not, uh, don't think of him as Joshua as in, that came after Moses. This was another Joshua. He was high priest. He's mentioned in the book of Haggai. He is also uh, mentioned in, in the book of Ezra. He is a part of that group that came back with Zerubbabel to rebuild the temple. Now, I know I'm giving you a lot of uh, biblical history and things, and, and, and it's the kind of thing you say, well, I'm not sure, you know, I can't, I'm newer or whatever, I can't piece all of it together. You know, we don't have time necessarily tonight to go in and explain it all. What I've learned, though, if you keep paying attention to the preaching of the Word of God, you get around the... You know, the Lord has a way of all these things coming to pass and, and, and coming in there. So I'm, I'm giving you this, and some of it might be things you're unfamiliar with. But if you keep studying the Word of God and keep coming to church and hearing Pastor Townsley preach, others preach here, these things start to kind of fall, fall into line. So Zechariah was, was prophesying then. He talks about this man, Joshua, who was a high priest in the return of the people to the, the promised land. So when they came out of the children of Israel, the, the Judah came out of captivity, the, one of the things they had to do was rebuild the temple and reinstitute the temple worship. So Joshua would have played a very important role in that. And Joshua would be looked at as a representative of the nation of Israel. And in this vision, Zechariah sees Joshua standing there and he's standing there before, he says, the angel of the Lord. And standing uh, next to him, standing as part of this scene, is Satan. Not one of Satan's workers. You know, not uh, you know, another fallen angel, but the Bible clearly defines it as Satan, capital S, in verse number two. He is standing there. In this scene, before the Lord, with Joshua, 
as a representative, really, of the nation of Israel, and Satan standing there, the Bible says, to resist him. And what we see take place has certainly prophetic implications. There are uh, things about the children of Israel and in Jerusalem that this is talking about, about how God will uh, restore them and God had redeemed them. Pastor Townsley preached um, a message about the redemption that we see about in, in, um, uh, with, with the, the prophet Hosea and about the redemption that is there for the nation of Israel. And here, this passage is really echoing that idea that even though you have failed, I have, I have redeemed you and there is a future for you for the nation. And so it certainly has a national implication for the nation of Israel. But there are also some things here to help the believer in the New Testament day in which we live. Because the scene that transpires here is a very good picture of the believer's standing in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's if a person has trusted Christ as their Savior, they can put themselves in this slot, if you will. And you can see what, how, see things how God sees them. And so I think there's some things that can help us uh, this evening. I want to preach for just a few minutes on the advocate and the accuser. We see, first of all, here that the people of God have an accuser. As I've said before, in verse number one, it makes it very clear that Joshua the high priest was standing there before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at the right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan. So Satan is standing right there. And Satan is there for for the purpose of resisting. He's not there to be an encouragement. He's not there to tell everybody what a swell guy Joshua is. He's not there to look around and go, boy, this is pretty spectacular and, you know, a pretty amazing scene that I'm a part of. No, he is there for one reason, and that is to resist Joshua. That word resist means to attack, to accuse. It also means adversary. I want you to hold your fingers here and uh, hold your finger in Zechariah because it might take you forever to find it if you lose it again. So uh, we don't want to do that. Go to 1 Timothy I mean, I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter number 5. 1 Peter chapter number 5. You say, well, is this just some vision here, some, you know, thing that's like a, or, or is, there a, is there a reality to this that what is taking place? Well, let's look at some things. 1 Peter chapter number 5. The Bible says in verse number 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your, and the word is adversary, the devil walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That word resist in Zechariah and that word adversary are very similar in what they mean. And so here we see him standing there resisting Joshua. In the New Testament, we see Peter warning the believer. He says, your adversary, your resistor, the devil, walks about seeking whom he may devour. You can uh, turn from First Peter and go to the book of Ephesians. Take a look at Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 12. The Bible says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
You know, a lot of times we look at our enemy and we can put a face to it. We can put a body to them. We can put a name to them. And we can say, oh, that, that person's the problem. That, that um, you know, that uh, politician or whatever. We might can, we think we can put it to that coworker or whatever. We can put a name to it. But you realize that at the end of the day, the one, the one who is resisting the believer is not flesh and blood. But it's Satan, just like there in the book of Zechariah. I want to read to you a passage all the way at the end of the Bible. And I'll just read this to you in Revelation chapter number 12 and verse 10. The Bible says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them before our God night or day and night. Now that's all the way in Revelation. I didn't even go to the book of Job where there is a scene that is similar that plays out where, where Satan uh, points out uh, uh, and, and is accusing in a way. There's an accusations and resisting that has taken place there. And you know, some people think that Job might be one of the earliest books actually written in the Old Testament and so when you, when you look at Job, that's, you know, happened early on at some point in the history of man, and then you go all the way to Revelation, and then right here in Zechariah, you see this is a consistent characteristic of that great enemy, Satan, that he is there resisting the brethren. He is there resisting, accusing the brethren. He is there resisting those who are believers, who are standing before the Lord. Now that's... It's kind of an interesting thing to think about. And I don't believe we should get wound up into thinking about and researching Satan and things of that nature. But we can clearly say what the Bible says. And the Bible says that Satan, you know, we think about the Lord having a ministry on this earth. The Holy Spirit having a, having a ministry. You know, Satan has a ministry. And it's to resist the brethren. It's to be an accuser of the brethren. And it's something that we deal with. This is something that took place before God, but his resistance, his adversarial work is often felt personally by the believer here on this earth. How does he do it? Well, he likes to remind us of what we once were. I hope you're back in Zechariah chapter number three and, uh, verse, and verse number two. He's talking about uh, Zechariah here really as a representative of the nation. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. And he says, Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? He says, This is a brand that's been plucked out of the fire. In other words, Satan, I rebuke you. Satan was in some way trying to uh, bring Joshua and, and as an individual or the nation of Israel as a whole, he was trying to bring up reminders of what they were. You know what you were? Let's just be honest. What were you? What, what was I? I was a hell-deserving sinner in a very real sense. You know what I deserved? I deserved the fire. I deserved to go to that terrible place that the Word of God tells us very clearly about. 
It's not popular to talk about. It's not easy to think about. It's not fun to consider. But the reality was, friend, that every one of us, before trusting Christ as Savior, we have a history because of our sin that deserved the fire. But if you've trusted Christ as Savior, you know what you are now? You're like a a brand plucked from the fire. And you know what Satan will do? One way he resists us, one way we feel we. We feel that resistance, that adversarial work that he does here on this earth is by him reminding us about what we used to be. Has he ever done that to you? I talk to people from time to time and they'll, they'll bring it up about, oh man, I just, I just, I just feel, they'll talk about, I feel guilty or I feel, and, and, you know, I feel hindered or I, however they might. And it's not about something now, it's about what they used to be. You know, there is a testimony that we all have. There's a testimony that we need to remember. There's a testimony that we need to be able to tell and communicate to others. That testimony is, is something that can uh, be a, a blessing to us. I, I, I'm going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. I didn't plan to, uh, plan to go here, but I'm going to go there. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. He says in verse number nine, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Then he says in verse 11, talking to this church, he says, and such were some of you, but ye are washed. But ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You see, you know what you used to be. I know what I used to be without Christ. But you, and you know what? Satan knows what you used to be. And there are times where our testimony can become a discouragement. When he starts to kind of, I, and, and I, I use these phrases as a descriptive, not that we hear voices and such, but, but there are times where he will start to whisper things in our ear. Don't you remember when? Don't you, don't you remember what you used to do? Don't you remember, don't you remember that? And he will use that to cast doubt on what we're doing. Why are you, why are you uh, you know, what, what are you doing acting like a, you know, acting like you're something now? And I mean, not, not that you, you would, but, you know, why are you teaching a Sunday school class now? Why do you think you can be a ministry worker or a bus worker or a, a singer in church? Why do you think, don't you, aren't you a hypocrite? Friend, a hypocrite is not someone who's been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> but he will accuse and he will resist. He'll discourage based on our past if we let him and if we listen to him. So he reminds us of what we once were. He also likes to remind us of our shortcomings now. There's an interesting sequence to all of this that I don't know that I quite have my puny little brain wrapped around it all. But the next thing that happens here, after the Lord has rebuked him, he looks at Joshua And he says in verse 3, Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. 
And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with the change of, of raiment. Satan also, not only does he like to remind us and accuse us and resist us based on what we used to be, he also likes to accuse us and resist us based on our shortcomings now. Anybody in here perfect? Of course not. There's no... You know, if you say you are, the Bible says you're, you've already lied and the truth is not in you. <laughs> of course we're not perfect. Of course we're not flawless. We are, we are flesh. We are but dust. But you know, that's why the Lord gave us things like 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, my, how, how, many, how often do we have to rely on that? <laughs> but I'll tell you right now, when you don't rely on that, you know what happens? You give Satan a foothold to start resisting. Right. Heard a preacher that said it and it stuck with me, and maybe it'll stick with somebody here. He would say it this way, keep short accounts with God. In other words, don't let things pile up. When you mess up, deal with it immediately. You, know, you don't have to wait for a church service to come get something right with God. You can do that right away. Because what, the more that we let those things, uh, you know, when we, when we mess up, when we fall short, which we will do because of this flesh, the more we let those things pile upon us and pile up on us, then the more that he has a foothold to resist us, then he has a foothold to be our adversary and push us and put doubts in our mind about our standing before the Lord. He likes to remind us of what we once were. He likes to remind us of our shortcomings. And he likes to cast doubt about what we will be. There were some promises here made to Joshua about his future. The set, he set a fair miter, verse 5, upon his head. That speaks to some future uh, promises and some future things that, that w- would have applied to the nation of Israel. And you know what? Satan loves to cast doubt about what will be. He can do that through you know, current events. You know, start casting doubt. Oh, I mean, is this really going to turn out okay? Is, is God really going to do it this way? He can even do that and cast doubts about your very salvation before him, before the Lord. I, um, I've told you this before, but I, I struggled when I was younger. I struggled with assurance of my salvation. Now, I don't, I, I don't, my testimony is not anybody else's. You, you know, if somebody comes to me and says, I thought I was saved, but I need to get saved. I know I'm not, I know I wasn't saved. I need to get saved. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, all right, get saved. I mean, it's not, it's between you and God. I'm not going to discourage that. But for me, I believe, I, I believe with all my heart, I trusted Christ as Savior when I was four years old. And I, I, I believe that. I mean, that's when I put my faith in Christ. I could give you the, what happened, but what happened isn't what's important. It is that I, by faith, called on the Lord and asked Jesus to save me. But you know what? As I got teenage years and those years, there were doubts that began to come my way. You know, I know people, I know someone who was a great preacher in the ministry, and they stayed out of the ministry for about 10 years because of struggling with doubts about assurance of their, they could not get it set. It was a, it was a war that they fought to have assurance over that, their salvation. Friend, that's not how it's supposed to be. Right. But the accuser, the resistor, 
loves for people to have doubts about their future. He loves for them to go to bed at night and wonder and worry, am I, am I really forgiven? Am I really saved? But you know what? That's not the way the Lord works. The Lord deals with clarity. So the people of God have an accuser. But secondly, the people of God have an advocate. In verse number two, we've already read it a couple times. It just The Lord looked at him simply and said, the Lord rebuke thee. What I love about this is in these seven verses, Joshua never said a word. After all, what could he say? He couldn't defend his own account. He couldn't, he couldn't give a list of reasons why Satan was wrong. He had no right on his own to even speak in this situation. So the Lord spoke up on his behalf and he rebuked the devil. See, we have an accuser, but just as surely as we have an accuser, we have a greater advocate. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter number 2, there is one God, verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Friend, that's, that's where, that's the only advocate is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only worthy one. He, he paid the price to be our mediator. That is why we need a Savior, because we have nothing to say on our own. There's a lot of people that say a lot of bold things here on this earth about the things of God. But friend, when they stand before God, it'll be different. When they stand there uh, before him and, and, and have to see him on his throne, the excuses can't, will not work. The, uh, the, the, the self-advocacy will not work. We need the advocacy of another and of the one that is worthy, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So that when we stand before him, we stand before the Lord, we don't have to say anything. He said everything necessary on our behalf, on our account. Have you trusted him as Savior? Somebody might be in here tonight that's never done that. Might be listening online. You've never, you've never done that. But to those of us who have, we need to rest in the fact that we know that we have an advocate. We have a mediator. We have a go-between that is there on our behalf. Just as a clean garment was imputed to Joshua, the righteousness of Christ has been imputed to our account. That word imputation is a great word, and there's great teaching on it in the New Testament. You could go to the book of Philemon and see a wonderful picture of it. It is where the righteousness of Christ has been placed on our account. Say, so do you believe, preacher, that you can lose your salvation? Nope, because my salvation is not based on my righteousness. It's based on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. His righteousness has been placed on my account so that when God the Father, the judge of all the earth, sees me, he does not see me as just a, a, a cleaned up Joel Boyle. He sees me as clothed in the very righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ because of what he did on the cross when he paid this, our sin debt. That old man it put the death in him, and our, we were given the righteousness of Christ. Friend, we have an advocate before the Lord. First John chapter number 2, he says, My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. 
Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. So why can you stand before the Lord? Why can you pray to a holy God? Why can you ignore the adversary? Why can we have victory in this world? Because we have an advocate, we have a mediator, we have a go-between. Friend, I would beg you, beseech you, is a good Bible word. If you have never trusted in Christ, you don't have that mediator, you don't have that righteousness. If you're trusting in anything else, if you're trusting in your own righteousness, if you're trusting in your own good works, you don't have that mediator. You are standing alone. But friend, if you've trusted Christ as Savior, you have that mediator, you have that advocate, advocate with the Father who is the Lord Jesus Christ. So the people of God have an advocate. And then we see then that the people of God operate in victory. He told him, after rebuking, after rebuking Satan, after giving him a garment that was clean and white, After putting the miter on his head, after all of those things, Joshua hasn't said a word. After doing all of those things, then in verse number seven, he says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, if thou wilt walk in my ways and thou wilt keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house and shalt also keep my courts, and I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. Now, this is a, a promise that I think did apply to Joshua. It was dealing with, though, the nation of Israel for sure, but notice the sequence. It wasn't before the forgiveness, it wasn't before the garment, it wasn't before the mitre, it was after the enemy had already been rebuked. You know, do we have a work to do here on earth as his people? Certainly we do. But we don't do so in order to earn the righteousness. We don't do so in order to attain to a position We do so because those things have already been done and we've been given the victory. We go forward in victory. The the saints that are spoken of in the book of Revelation, chapter number 12, it's said of them in verse number 11. It says, and they overcame him, the him being Satan, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony And they love not their lives unto the death. Friend, there's an accuser. He's Satan. But there's an advocate. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a victory. And that's from that victory you and I operate. So they overcame him by the finished work of Christ, by the blood of the Lamb. When Jesus said, it is finished, the victory was ours. He rose from the dead. The victory was ours. It was over. It was complete. It was settled. Sure, he is still resisting. He will be cast down. He will be eternally dealt with. But he's still resisting. He's still the adversary. Don't listen to him, though. We claim victory, just as those believers did, in the finished work of Christ. Said they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the finished work of Christ. And by the word of their testimony, their personal testimony, through that they overcame, they overcame him. Friend, you need to keep your testimony of your salvation 
That when you trusted Christ as Savior, you need to keep it near to your heart and mind. Because there are times that you'll need to remember it. There are times you'll need to bring it up to the accuser and say, hey, listen, not me, pal, not today, because I've trusted Christ as my Savior. He can't resist the blood of Christ. He can't resist the ones who are redeemed by Christ. The finished work of Christ, their personal testimony, and then their commitment to his work in ministry. It says, and they love not their life to the death. You know, Satan, Satan likes to resist and accuse with fear. But to a believer who is settled in, settled on the finished work of Christ, and they have that personal testimony where they've trusted Christ as Savior, if they, are, if they love not their life to the death, then he can't even resist with fear. And the Bible says that's how they overcame him. You see, we, we function now with a responsibility. We have a job to do, but that job is something that is given to us out of victory as we go forward in this world. Friend, there is an accuser, but there's also an advocate. There might be somebody in here that's not saved. There might be somebody listening not saved, but there might be believers here that the accuser's been resisting. He's been pushing back. He's been, he's been, and again, I'm not, make it clear, I'm not talking about weird voices and things like that, but he might be, as it were, whispering in your ear things about your past, things about how you can't now, things about uncertainties about your future. He might be doing all those things, he might be doing other things to impose fear on you. Remember, the victory is ours because of our advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day.